Who's Kaiser Soze? Judging by the sudden change in mood, Mr. Kint, I feel sure the rest of your associates can tell you. I come with an offer directly from Mr. Soze. An order, actually. What do you mean, an order? In 1981, Mr. Keaton, you participated in the hijacking of a truck in Buffalo, New York. The cargo was raw steel, steel which belonged to Mr. Soze and which was destined for Pakistan to be used in a nuclear reactor, a most profitable violation of UN regulations. You had no way of knowing this, Mr. Keaton, because the fellow shipping the steel was working for Mr. Soze without his knowledge. Earlier this year, Mr. Fenster and Mr. McManus hijacked a two-prop cargo flight out of Newark Airport. The plane was carrying gold and platinum wiring, also set for Pakistan. Two months ago, Mr. Hockney stole a truck carrying gun parts through Queens. Gun parts which were set to be destroyed by the state of New York. They were to be lost in a way station and rerouted to Belfast. Again, Mr. Soze using pawns who had no knowledge. Which brings us to Mr. Kint. Nine months ago, one of Mr. Soze's less than intelligent couriers was taken in a complicated confidence scam by a cripple. He was relieved of $62,000. Now, it has taken us some time to find you. Our intention was to approach you after your apprehension in New York. You set up the lineup? Yes. You were not to be released until I had come to see you. It seems Mr. Keaton's attorney, Miss Finneran, was a little too effective in expediting his release. Holding the rest of you became a moot point. What about Redford? Mr. Redford knew nothing. Mr. Soze rarely works with the same people for very long, and they never know who they're working for. One cannot be betrayed if one has no people. So, why are you telling us? Because you have stolen from Mr. Soze, Mr. Fenster. All of you. That you did not know you stole from him is the only reason you are still alive. He feels you owe him. Cinema 9 Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. It's Thursday when we're recording. We always record on Thursdays. And then the show usually goes out Thursday night. So if you're checking this out on a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday morning, maybe you're in the bathroom on a Sunday evening. I don't know. Welcome to the show. We got the guest. We don't have guests. No, we have no guests. <laughs> we have yeah, a no guest. <laughs> yeah, we have our uh, returning host. Eric Branchup is back after Luke 
admirably filled in last week. I'd like to thank Luke Horbeck for filling in. Thank you very much. Thanks, Luke. And of course, that's the voice of Travis Roy. Travis, how's it going in Philadelphia? It's going good, man. It's uh, it's it's good to see you guys. You know, I um, I appreciate everybody listening. If it's your first time listening, thank you so much. If you're a regular listener, thank you. But to be perfectly honest, if no one was listening, I'd still wake up excited on Thursdays to talk to my two old friends about movies. So good to see both your faces. How sweet. Tender moment right there. Tender. Very tender. And then the legend himself back from the misty mountains of Michigan up north. <laughs> Very mountainous area, Michigan. Um, welcome back, Eric Brandstrom. Hello. Thank you so much. You know, Michigan's one of the most beautiful places on earth that I've ever been to. And the best part, in my opinion, especially here in COVID times, is the fact that only 3% of Michigan's population actually lives up there. So it was good hmm. to get away from people for a while and watch yeah. some movies in an isolated cabin. <laughs> Go on vacation and watch movies. That sounds like us. Yeah. How many Westerns do you have at your cabin? <laughs> I watch a lot of Westerns, but I'd never seen Dirty Harry. And I, I I watched it. I fucking loved it. Dirty Hair, the original, is awesome. Four terrible sequels. It is pretty bogus. I looked at some clips I was trying to use for uh, putting together a little montage a couple weeks ago. And I was like, this is lame. This was the later years. I'm like, dude, you're still just humping this thing. Bogus. <laughs> yeah. The original is good. Yeah, that's it. Let's stick with that. But, you know, the original Cinema 9 podcast team of Eric, Mike, and Travis is in your face. And we're always available. You can't see it right now, but they're doing wild dances. You have no <laughs> idea. Yeah, look at that. He's raising the roof like it's 1999. But it's pretty cool. And check us out at Cinema9 Pod and Instagram, Cinema9 Pod, at Cinema9 on Twitter, Cinema9 on Facebook. Cinema9 Pod at Instagram particularly is where there's a lot of hot action. Travis is uh, really filled in admirably while Eric was unavailable with no service. A lot of quality Instagram posts. Uh, any highlights over the last week, Travis? Oh, um, you know, you, you asked me this. I should come prepared because uh, I immediately like I post these things and my brain just deletes them because that's that's kind of the way my my brain <laughs> works. So you are. You don't even remember <laughs> lyrics to songs you wrote. Oh yeah, it's, I've always <laughs> been like that. Once it's it's like once I shit it out, it's flushed. It's gone. Um, I yeah, you know, actually, I only did one review this week. It was a, it was a less reviews this week, and it, I reviewed Fright Night Two on there, which I'll actually <laughs> talk briefly about later. But uh, uh, yeah, it looks like Eric actually got a couple of, uh, reviews in, so he he was still putting in work. Yeah, Eric, uh, you had a big prize that you yeah. How that go? You know what? We're going to try doing giveaways once every few weeks, uh, Blu-rays and DVDs, and I want to give a special thanks and a shout out to this fella. Office.Carl for winning a copy of her from 2013 by Spike Jones. So we, you know, we put out the question about uh, movies about isolation and that, that involve characters that are lonely. And we got a lot of great suggestions. Folks turned out uh, films like Taxi Driver, uh, uh, among some others. Uh, and uh, this, this was a really good, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was a, a great comment from this fella. Who, uh, you know, uh, we appreciate. I'm going to be shipping, <laughs> be shipping this internationally, from what I hear, to Germany. So uh, we're going to see uh, if that takes the entire monthly budget from the Cinema Nine podcast. <laughs> we have a budget. <laughs> we do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, congratulations, Office Master in Germany. That's exciting. Really proud of you, and I hope you enjoy the film. If he's never seen it before, that'll be really exciting for him or her or whoever you are. We love giveaways here at Cinema 9. We love connecting with you online, so please, please check us out. Today's show, we're going to be talking about 
The Usual Suspects. Oh, 1995. Boy. A lot viewer of choice. viewer choice special. A viewer slash listener slash uh, contributor. Someone who pays attention once in a while. Somebody picked The Usual Suspects. And on Monday night, we did a random selection. And that was the winner. We had about eight or nine movies. Yeah. And when we, when we say random winner, we mean a host's wife. This is like when Pam and Jim won like employee of the month on the office and everyone's like, what the fuck? This is totally rigged. Hey, truly random. All it I can random. say is Google, unless Google knows, Google does listen to everything we do. So maybe they had it planned out for the beginning. We'll never know. Legitimately random. It is legitimate. So in the end, we would love to do that again. And I think what we're going to do is each week, one of us will pick a movie that we'll do for our Does It Hold Up segment, and then we'll switch to the listeners, and you guys will pick. So basically every fourth episode, unless we have a guest on, you guys will be choosing movies. So if you have movies you'd love to hear us talk about, get a list going and be prepared for when we do this in about another month. Yep. Yeah, resubmit if we didn't pick yours, you know, if you if you think there's something that, that we would, that you want to hear, let it, you know, just keep on doing it. Let us know. Yeah, I really wanted to watch St. Elmo's Fire. I've actually never seen that. So I might watch it anyway. So that was a good selection. Yeah, but, I was hey, pushing for that too. Be... I, I like that movie. I never well, seen Schumacher, that. Schumacher, rest in peace. Yeah, exactly. That's true. 30 years, some odd years later. Well, go ahead. So in the end, that's what we're doing. Does it hold up? The Usual Suspect, Brian Singer, Kevin Spacey. A lot of problems maybe with this film. But hey, there are other actors who gave their heart and soul. There was a production team. People really gave their life to this, and they're not all scumbags. So maybe the movie shouldn't be dismissed completely. And that's what we're going to find out. And then we're going to have viewer uh, reviews, viewer recommendations. The quarantine goes on, and it seems to be getting worse recently. So we're going to have more recommendations for you guys during this awful period of life. But first, <laughs> but first it's our opening segment. This is a oh new boy. one. We're getting a little radical. It's about yeah, what, grilled what cheese. This one? <laughs> what are we going to call this? Because uh, it might return if fans like it. Grilled cheese yeah. movie. right? Grilled, grilled cheese, cheese the, the film. The cinema masterpiece, Grilled Cheese. We decided to come up with a <laughs> pitches for <laughs> Grilled Cheese the movie. How would you pitch Grilled Cheese the film? And in essence, I really have no idea how this is going to go. So, Travis, I know you're really pumped Walmart. about this. Let's hear it. Let's hear some uh, grilled cheese talk. (laughs) (laughs) Some hot talk about grilled cheese sandwiches in cinema. Um, First off, I want to give props to Eric for this one. We wanted to come up with some outside the the box ideas. And this was so outside the box that Mike struggled to believe that this was a real (laughs) (laughs) real option. We're dead fucking serious. (laughs) Dead fucking serious. So I'm going to give you a plot for my grilled cheese, the movie, and then I'll, 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 I'll tell you that who I've got cast in it. And okay. Why? Okay. Right. So here's my grilled cheese sandwich. The movie so this is <laughs> naturally going to be period piece horror. I mean, what else would it be? It's got to be a horror movie. I'm a little worried that you're, that your guys ah. are going to pick horror movies too, but, ah. but so I'm thinking it's a horror movie. Um, think kind of like rubber meets the blob, but like set in from hell <laughs> because this should be set in Victorian England with a Victorian in a Victorian deli where they first are, you know, they got the press all figured out for the first time. And like, there's a young deli man that figures out how to like make the, the sandwich. But then there's like this coworker. Is, uh, no, no, it's a, it's, this is more like a, like serious, but like fun horror comedy drama. (laughs) Grilled cheese origins. (laughs) So a coworker steals the recipe for grilled cheese and um, 
And then our, our deadly man distraught goes to an, an occultist because it's turn of the century England and, you know, the occult and seances and all that stuff is very popular. So he goes to this occultist for like a, a spell to like curse his competitor, the, the thief. And, um, and there's the, the grilled cheese is like giving like this power, like Gollum and it gets all huge and, and big and it kills the thief, but then it goes on a rampage and it's, you know, it's like, uh, the blob is taking over town, the, you know, the town of London, it's killing everybody. Um, and the deadly man's fiance, um, you think that she's going to, this is kind of like also basic on Frankenstein a little bit. You think she's going to be like a Caroline, Caroline Beaufort character, which she's kind of like, doesn't have a lot to do, or she's kind of like a damsel in distress, but she's going to actually end up kicking ass. And like, um, she's going to be the one that sets the deli on fire once she traps the grilled cheese sandwich there at the end and burns it down and saves the day. So that's, that's my plot for grilled cheese sandwich, the movie Victorian horror. Wow. Wow. All right, I'm who excited. do we got in charge? I Gas, was... crew, who directs? Oh, you know, I didn't think about d- director. I should, I, I mean, I, I would think that, you know, obviously Ari Aster, this is this has got him written all over it. The man that did Hereditary and Midsummer, his uh, light touch <laughs> would be perfect for this. Um, uh, as as far as the deli man goes, I'd like to see Oscar Isaac in some sort of Victorian <laughs> garb with that mustache. You know, I think he'd look really good in that and mustache. Mustache. Yeah, a little bit, little bit mustachey. Uh, I think that he would do. He's also really good at like kind of playing like um, like vulnerable and innocent, but then also kind of being like uh, maybe he could be a little bit crazy, a little bit Doctor Frankenstein-y. Uh, the fiance, yeah. uh, I see her. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so, like, kind of like Poe meets Do Ex Machina, right? Like somewhere in between there. Um, for the fiance. Sign on sight unseen. Just no script. What's that? Grilled cheese? All right. Just sign me up. How could you not? Um, <laughs> for the fiance, I see Tessa Thompson. I think that she's a, a ah. fantastic actor. I like watching her. I think that, again, like, kind of similarly to Isaac, Oscar Isaac, I think that she's good at like, I think that she could be sweet and demure and kind of like throw the audience, but then actually be like a total badass and fuck shit up. Um, for the thief. Actually, for the thief and the occultist, I feel like these roles could be swapped out. But uh, for the thief, I have Tom Noonan because I'm not going to make a horror movie that's set in Victorian England and not put Tom fucking Noonan in it, right? Um, <laughs> and similarly, I'm not going to have something set in the 19th century and not put Ian McShane in it. So Ian McShane, uh, he, he could bring his Al Swearingen energy, but like from like a more like British side of thing, which of course he is British, uh, as, as the occultist. And for the grilled cheese itself, I cast Gruyere and Colby. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do like Andy Circus motion cap in that grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, um, no, no. What, what's the other guy's name? The guy that, that played the fish. What's it, Douglas Adams? Doug Jones. Jones. I think. I think Doug Jones. Him. Grilled cheese. Oh, point. Sandwich. For practical. <laughs> oh. Well, that's a hell of Jesus. a movie. I think I'd see it on opening night. I don't know about the rest of you, but I would. <laughs> Eric, what do you got, man? I know you oh probably got so much detail oh, on this film. Uh, I'll, try not to, I'll, I'll try not to go too long. Luckily, it's not horror, uh, so it's going to be a nice curveball from this. So you'll have at least two great choices to, to choose from when it comes to this menu of grilled cheese, the movie. So uh, I'm going to go with like a dramedy. Uh, I like to I like to consider it kind of like Chef meets Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> so so we got Paul Giamatti is playing uh, Griffin Cheese. Okay. Now, Griffin Cheese is a professional food critic in New York. He's like the toast of the town. Everyone loves him. He's fun-loving. He's happy. You know, he pulls no punches. He's brutal, honest about his critiques. And um, he finds out that his wife, played by uh, Marissa Tomei, has been uh, cheating on him, okay? And 
what this does is it kind of turns, puts him into a downward spiral and he ends up like getting into a fight with uh, this famous chef, uh, Roland Diamato, played by Stanley Tucci. Who else? So they get into this big fight because he like trashes his restaurant because like he's super negative now after going to like this these divorce proceedings and he's about to lose custody of his son. So uh, he ends up getting fired from his job as a critic because all he does is post like these negative fucking reviews about every restaurant he goes to and the papers had it. And after like the assault on Roland Diamato, as played by Stanley Tucci, he's out of the job. Okay. And he finds himself in a small town in New Jersey working for like a, a like a little newspaper as like their food critic, you know, trying to make ends meet. He's lost his passion. Food has no taste anymore. Okay. He meets um he meets uh, his son's school, new school teacher, played of course by Winona Ryder. And they strike up this romance and it's all very like sweet and slice of life. And it's like, how can we get this man's passion back? And he's also going through this bitter divorce. His lawyers played by uh, Peter Dinklage, but like the hot shot lawyer, Marissa Tomei's is Bobby Cannavale. So it's like this fun courtroom, like humor and comedy and stuff. And, and at the end, like, um, how did I play? <laughs> how did I map this out? Like, he ends up losing custody of his son and, and gets only like he finds out he gets only limited custody uh, because of the assault was much worse than like the, the the marital extramarital relationship. And like he asked his son, you know, where do you want to go to eat? We'll go anywhere. I know all the best restaurants even in this little town. And his son says, you know, let's just go to this little diner here. So they go and the son orders a grilled cheese sandwich. Right. And for the first time in like a, a year after all of this. Like this half a grilled cheese sandwich that the son offers him now that they're reconnected is like the best thing he's ever tasted in his life. Like it's like leagues beyond like that old dude in Ratatouille. It's like this defining sweet moment. So, yeah, it's it, it's like it's like that. I picture like either Tom McCarthy from Win Win, which is a really good movie that also starred Paul Giamatti directing. Maybe Gore Verabinski because I wanted to kind of have like a the weatherman feel to it. Like he's great. Dark comedy, but like also sweet. So yeah, that's the direction I'd head in. <laughs> wow, just so much more powerful. Yeah, a lot more serious than I thought. Grilled cheese, the movie was going to be, but I guess you know I watched uh, I watched uh, the man who killed Hitler and then also the Bigfoot or whatever yes. last night, and yeah. I kind of you know, maybe it's like that kind of thing where you think you're going to go in and get one thing, you're going to have a bunch of laughs, and then that's the point. Ooh, I got I'm actually contemplating life and sandwiches now. You got to. <laughs> Oh my god, Michael! I'm a shit ever. <laughs> uh, I decided to do this kind of like a uh, a rural drama. A lot of like okay. lens flares <laughs> and like dandelions. It's like a grilled cheese out in the fields. Huh. You know, kind of a young grilled cheese doesn't really a sentient know. grilled cheese. Yeah, not sure what it wants to be. It's very confused about its gender. It's not sure if it wants to be gay or. If oh. it likes other grilled cheeses or if I it likes you. different cheeses or if it wants to change. It's very conflicted internally. It's about a grilled cheese wanting to be another type of cheese, you know, not just a sandwich, <laughs> maybe a brick of cheese. So it's very confusing, but it's got a lot of heart. You know, it's got a lot of heart. There's a lot of jokes, too, though. It's kind of like a comedy mixed in with like a coming of age story. So it's not necessarily a dramedy in a sense. It's just about this grilled cheese. Out in this rural, beautiful area, I see it as a Peter Weir picture. Oh, and uh, right up his alley. A, oh, okay. Yeah, it's a complicated film. 
that it, it does not appear to be what you think it is. And for me, I saw the lead as more of like a, a Michael Sarah, you know, plays the grilled cheese. <laughs> Is this animated or like have like? No, this is real. Yeah, this is not animated. Yeah, he's a little bit older. But we're gonna use practical effects to make the grilled cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, his name is Grilled Cheese. He's not literally a grilled cheese. That's why. Oh, so, well, that's disappointing. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. Well, hey, I mean, it's about grilled cheese. He was Are born people- as grilled cheese. So. Are people gonna watch a movie that doesn't star a grilled cheese sandwich? Well, he is. That's his last name. He's Grilled Cheese Sandwich. That's his name. And they call him Grilled Cheese Sandwich because right. it was a, it's a long story. There's like this it's whole kind of like it's like this Godfather 2 kind of flashback that tells this whole story about his family and how Grilled Cheese became the family name. It's very complex. This movie wow. is like four hours long, so I don't know oh. if it's going to make it. I don't know if the, the, the production company is going to be down with that. There could be several rewrites, oh, yeah. many edits. I'm not going to have good. final cut. I feel sounds like, like a Terrence sounds like a Terrence Malick picture. Terrence Malick could definitely be in the mix on this. We'd love to have him come on and do like a guest spot. Maybe he'd do like a couple scenes just to say he was there, but he doesn't want credit for it. Wow. Well, everybody, anyway. those, those are our picks. What do you think? Let us know. We're, we'll post something on the uh, on our social media, and you let us know which which grilled cheese sandwich the movie would you rush to theaters first to to plunk your hard earned cash down for? Only you're not going to do that because you're not going to go in a theater probably ever again. But you know, oh. it's grilled cheese. We can we can have fun. We can just pretend. Now, which Where one's worth a hundred million dollar green light uh, contract? <laughs> I think you guys know what you need to do in your hearts, so make the right choice. All right, so that was Grilled Cheese the Movie. Wow, we did it. Maybe we'll revisit it. We'll do like a, a prequel or a sequel, a follow-up. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. And, and and on my last note, for the record, I really, I'm really i looking forward to doing one thing, and that's going to the movies again. I, I, I'm just, I was just being a little dark there. I am pro-movie theater someday. Hey, put on a mask and go over there. Exactly. I don't even know if they're open, actually. Yeah, I haven't no, looked no. at my local movie theaters. I drove by an Imagine, you know, the Imagine Theaters in Michigan. That's a big chain. Very nice yeah. theater. You get you have a cold mm-hmm. beer if you like. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a ghost town. There was nobody there. So I don't know if they're yeah. open. It's I unfortunate. So. Someday. Someday we'll be together. Gonna get Watching, Watching grilled cheese films. All right. Let's get to the main event. It's time for our Does It Hold Up? The big centerpiece of every show we do. It's the reason we do this. It's time for 1995's The Usual Suspects. All right, you all know the drill. When your number is called, step forward and repeat the phrase you've been given. Understand? Number one, step forward. Hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. Number two, step forward. Give me the fucking keys, you fucking cocksucker motherfucker! Knock it off, get back. Number three, step forward. <laughs> Have me the keys, you cocksucker. In English, please. Excuse me. In English. Have me the fucking keys, you cocksucker. What the fuck? Number four, step forward. All right. Right off the bat, the most unbelievable thing about this film is that Kevin Pollack could kick your ass. 
<laughs> how did he end up in this movie? Like how? Like just a couple years before, like he was like doing impressions and shit before this. He was like, like what was how? how Grumpy old he... man, like this, the nice little neighbor kid. That was yeah. like two years before this. <laughs> you know, in a in a little bit of irony here, you know, Angela picked this film, and she actually met. Kevin Pollack when she used to work at the comedy club and said that he was a really sweet man. So I thought that was kind oh, of fun trivia. I'm a huge so, fan. I love Kevin Pollack. I want that to be clear and on the record for anybody who doesn't know me, but still, oh, yeah. like, I just think it's funny that he's a tough guy. What is he, like five foot six? But you know what? He <laughs> actually does a really good job in this movie yeah. and it should have pushed his career in a direction that he should have been able he should have been able to branch out more. But this is a movie that's kind of weird for roles too because it's like, hey, it turns out Stephen Baldwin had one really good role in him. Like, no offense, Stephen Baldwin, but I'm not really interested in anything else that that guy ever has done. I've seen some of it. It's not great, but he's Biodome legendary, yeah. bro. Can we get the Oscar for Biodome? Uh, Best supporting actor? <laughs> but him as uh, McManus, he's great. Oh, those beautiful blue eyes. I had to pause it a few times. <laughs> All right, so let's get a, let's get our classic standards here. So, Travis, how long have you seen the film? What's your initial Ooh. response? Do you remember the first time you saw it? Okay. Wow. All right. So I, uh, I, this is one of those movies I saw it when it first came out, it, you know, and, and it came out in summer of 1995. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I, I know I saw it like very soon. I saw it at home. I saw it on, on VHS, but I saw it like when it was brand new. And I remember the, the impact of the ending. Hey, by the way, folks, there's going to be some spoilers on this one, is um, there? but it won't matter. <laughs> <makes no> sense. <laughs> um, but, uh, and it became one of those movies that just I, I plugged it in. You know, I lived it for like five, six years. It was one of those movies that I just religiously watched on a regular basis. And then <laughs> I felt like it had, you know, it was under my skin. I, I knew it. And um, and I felt like I'd gotten everything I could from it. And it's probably been 18, 19, 20 years since I'd watched it. Yeah. Um, so. I was really this it was actually I was really glad that that this was picked. I was hoping to do this on the show at some point. I, I figured we would someday at some point. I was kind of deliberately holding off on watching it. Um because I wanted to go in fresh because I feel like it's one of those movies that it was it fits our bill pretty good. It was a big hit. Everyone saw it and then we and then it's kind of like not people don't really watch it so much anymore. So um yeah, so I'm excited to talk about it. Excitement. Eric Brantram, first time you saw it. What was your initial response? What's it like now? I mean, 1995 was a strange time for me in terms of movies because, like, I was, like, we were, like, 14, 15 years old, and I was just, like, coming out of, like, the whole, like, like, fucking, like, Home Alone and, like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids shit. Like, so this is when I started, like, get into actual, like, R-rated movies. So anything that came out, like... 1992 uh, <laughs> or after Red Dogs, it's like I thought it was a fucking masterpiece. You I know saw what Robocop I mean? when I was like 10, man. Yeah, not me, dude. I told you, we couldn't even see Howard the Duck when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, any any of these movies that came out kind of like early to mid 90s, I just they just tapped me on the shoulder and said, you yeah, know, these are what actual movies are. So just you're going to love this. And then I, I would watch it every single fucking day. And just like you, man, I saw it so much. That it was just like, you know, like on Christmas or the holidays when like Elf is on in the background. Do you sit there and watch it? No, but it's cozy. Actually, yes, you know, I do. You, you know everything <laughs> there is to it, so it's just like, it's, it's or another example. You know what you know what I mean? Like you know you got you know its deal, so it's it's hard to like really become in, enthralled even after this long. So it's been a good, probably been a good fifteen years. So yeah, I was excited to revisit it. I watch this film a lot. I haven't watched it in like a couple years, but I watched it all the time up until probably like two years ago, two or three years ago. Wow. 
So it was always something I was fascinated by. But for the record, it's got an 8.5 on IMDb. 8.5. Oh, yeah. Very, very high. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's a high rating. That's like elite even level. For, even for nowadays, like while I was watching, I was like thinking to myself, would, would like a 20-year-old kid in film school even know who Kaiser Soze is? I know Definitely. we all, that's all we talked that, about back in the day, but is it still a thing? No, yeah, I, I read a, um, actually uh, this book right here, uh, White Fragility is the book we're reading. Uh-huh. This just came, this is a newer book, and uh, the intro is by Michael Eric Dyson, famous uh, professor. And anyways, his whole what? intro is about Kaiser Sose. He, he like, yeah, it's a he he ties in like um, racism and Kaiser Sose together. So it's still a relevant term. I don't know. He used it just in case you were wondering. But in wow. terms of how this is viewed, critics, eighty nine percent on oh, good wow. old bozotomatoes.com, eighty nine percent and a ninety six percent audience score. What? Wow, that is huge. Unreal. That is People so like big. Movie. Yeah, but I, I mean, we've done some films that are uh, pretty good. I mean, we did do Dick Tracy. Yep. But by the way, uh, I wanted and to go to wedding. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to a new listener, Rich. Rich loved the Dick Tracy episode. He personally texted me to tell me that. So oh, thanks, Rich. I just wanted to let All you right. know that, Eric. I thought you'd appreciate that. But as Thank far you. as critic reviews of this film, so there's a, a lot of positives. It's really hard to find a negative, to be honest with oh. you. Oh. Because there's a big one. There's a big one. Oh, you got one? No, I got a big one. King of oh. all reviewers, but keep going. Okay. Well, here in 1995, Lisa Schwartzbaum, we'd like to go back in time to see what people said when the movie came out. She yeah. said Entertainment Weekly, and Lisa said, dense with plot intricacies, thick with atmosphere, and packed with showy roles for a hip ensemble. The Usual Suspects is fun to watch. <laughs> a celebration of cool actors having a good time playing sweaty and devious lowlifes. Mm. Oh, my God. Then our old pal, Dessen Thompson, who always gets a shout-out on this show from the Washington Post. After following the beckoning twists and turns, you're left trapped and more than a little disappointed for getting in so deep. Two stars out of four. Not digging it. And then the legend himself, Roger Ebert. Once again, my comprehension began to slip, and finally I wrote down, to the degree that I do understand... I don't care. One and a half stars. <laughs> there it is. One and a half stars. Leonard Malton also gave it a turkey. I remember us really fired up wow. back in the day about that. A turkey, which is no stars. Yeah. Wow. wow. Leonard Malton. Is he still alive? Yeah, yeah he's out there. God huh. damn, that's amazing. Okay, so <laughs> there's interesting comments on this film. There's a lot of different ways to look at this film and go into it. I think that this film might be overrated when I first start to think about it. If I'm starting to form my thought on does this film hold up, I feel like these ratings are a bit inflated. Travis, what do you think of that? Well, so this is the thing, right? Like, like is a classic a classic because it's good or is a classic a classic because everyone tells you it's a classic? Mm. Um, sometimes that's kind of ends up being the case. And... Um, and a lot of people that reviewed this movie are probably people that that um, maybe grew up with it. And also, I think that if you don't know the twist in this movie, that you can watch it and be blown away by it. And unlike Citizen Dildo, um, that's Vanilla <laughs> Sky to the uninitiated, but unlike uh, Citizen Dildo, when the reveal doesn't mar repeat viewings, you can actually like watch it over and over again and like get stuff from it. So like. It has like a big punch, like a, you know, a Shyamalan type twist. And it also has, you know, 
repeat watchability. So I think that, I think that there's a lot of reasons why it stays a classic 8.5 or whatever you said is a little higher than I would have imagined. And maybe that's not, I think that's, you know, this is one of the, like this is one of those movies that has been so in the zeitgeist that like I, I don't know <laughs> that people's appreciation for it reflects reality. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely curious. And again, there's going to be spoilers here, so I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Soze, so there you go. <laughs> You're fucked. Yep, yeah, I told you, cover your ears. Fuck. So Ruined I mean, it for everybody. Earmuffs. One thing that really stuck out to me was when when Roger Ebert says that he he prefers to be amazed by motivation and not manipulation, and that's that's one thing this movie is is pretty much known for. It's its entire premise, structure, narrative, just being basically heads up, Mike, a giant you know dream sequence, if you will. Yeah, but for me, yeah, for me, yeah, for me, that doesn't negate the the entire experience. So for some people, it might like Mr. Ebert, rest in peace. But for me. I mean, it, it doesn't matter because it's enjoyable to watch. I mean, what do you guys think? Well, I like that idea real quick of motivation versus manipulation. Uh, I don't give a fuck either way. If I'm entertained, I'll, I'll go either way because I have been manipulated a lot by emotions. In fact, a <laughs> lot of movies depend on the manipulation of your emotions to get you to enjoy the film. Yeah. Cinema is manipulation. I mean, that's that's what it, that's what it's doing. Like they're trying to make you feel a certain thing. So that's like I wouldn't criticize that um, as as for me in terms of uh, how I approach this movie this time. I think that the real core, like the real value to this movie, that what draws people into it is it's twofold. It's the, it's the performances from this incredible cast, which is really, fun. really solid. And two, it's it's it, this is a classic crew movie. You've got a crew. Each person has like their own specialty or whatever. Um, some of the specialties, you know, you know, like Todd Hockney only gets to do an explosive once. Okay, but like so some of the specialties are maybe not as necessary as whatever. But but each character is developed in their own distinct way, even in ways that like that the that the Macquarie and Singer and stuff, like the writers and directors, like didn't intend because we got Benicio del Toro just coming in and just doing whatever the fuck he wants because he's a rock star. We'll talk a lot more about him, I'm sure, but. There's so much uh, personality here in this crew. You want to watch them take down these different scores. And like, this is one of the few movies I can think of where I'm like, they could reboot this. They could recast this and reboot this. And I could watch this crew like on a like, TV series of sorts, possibly. I got a fun idea for a reboot. I'll tell you about it a little later. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, no. we're, we're on the subject. That's called the so, teaser. This guy, Eric, loves a teaser. You know that. So guy. if you think about the movie, it, it, essentially while I was watching, I was like, you know, this kind of reminds me of a kid like sitting in the principal's office and making up like the story about how his dog ate his homework and the principal, you know, buying it at the end. So you could reboot it like like that, like have it take place in like a middle school and have this kid verbal go in and like, you know, be questioned for for the, this big activity that happened on the playground. And he makes up this giant story about all of his friends and they did this and they did that. And it could be kind of an interesting angle on it, because at the end of the day, this is. This is a, a fragment of Verbal's imagination, you know, but still entertaining if you ask me. <laughs> so you don't think Menace. that Mr. You don't think that, <laughs> you don't think that Verbal Kent is Kaiser Soze? I think he is, but in the long run, 
if he's not going to be charged while he's sitting in the police station and he can just get up and walk away, why doesn't he just do that instead of go through this? Is it just to entertain us as an audience? Oh, oh here we go. Now we get into the actual criticism. You got to. Because got to. there is no reason for this movie to take place. Why on Thank earth you. would this man do this? This is all right, like, I, this is the only this is the problem I have with the movie watching. Yeah. Like, Props I, for his originality. He could be I, a great writer. But, blame right. it on Edie Finneran. i still love the movie i still enjoy the movie but as i'm watching the movie i'm thinking to myself like the whole plot the whole point of the boat uh, let me try that again the whole point of the boat heist that's a tough one um was to to, was to kill this one guy that could that has seen kaiser sose's face so in order to do that he's going to orchestrate this huge thing with all these people and and so he can get on there and kill him and then after he does that he's going to hang out in a in a cop shop that he knows pretty well he's being recorded that there's cc whatever you know there's like closed circuit cameras in there he's being videotaped he's interacting with dozens of people that are going to remember him and could pick him out of a lineup i mean like it's, it's yep. the whole he just completely shows his ass for the whole movie when he doesn't even need to tell like he could like he, if he wanted to he doesn't even have to talk to kuyan he no. could just sit in his cell and not do anything and be even less conspicuous so it's like why the fuck is this happening Kobayashi, Skokie, Illinois, barbershop. <laughs> just made up uh, shit on the walls. When you Japan find that four. out, yeah, it's all made up shit from a coffee mug, and there was a map on the wall. Holy shit! It's kind of that why it gets you... such a high rating because people's minds are blown, and it's just like a sugar rush, and they're like, oh, "I was fooled. I was fooled. This is a masterpiece." Is that why? Fuck but no, I don't. I don't think that is why. Go ahead, Mike. Mr. McManus, this movie is overrated trash. And if you want people <laughs> to live, you will tell people the truth about this film by five o'clock. That's what I would say. Pete Postlewaite's great in this movie. Pete Postlewaite's great in this movie. Gabriel Byrne's fantastic. Yeah. I love. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, there's so than many I, quotable I lines for this film. I hate. I hate ripping it. These are all true points you're saying, though, Travis. This movie is completely overrated. It's unnecessary. The scene, this whole, the whole, not the, scene, <clears throat> the whole exchange of him talking to Chaz Palminteri, Coolion is bullshit. It doesn't need to exist at all. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah, to it's make fun. The, there's so many quotable it's lines. Fun. I just love doing it. Like, give me the keys, you cocksucker, motherfucker. You know all that yeah, stuff. I mean, we're, we're coming a lot hotter. At least I certainly am than I than I wanted to. I mean, like I, I yeah, I, I have critiques. I have things that I you know as, that occur to me while watching it. Like, okay, this starts to fall apart as I as you hold if you hold it up too closely. But um, for one, they kind of they kind of cover their ass because like it's all a story. It doesn't doesn't have to connect. It doesn't need to make sense because it's all a, a lie. So you you have that uh, you know going for it but, but again like i also just think that it's a fun heist movie it's a fun crew movie um you, and, and, and and it's well acted and you get a lot of great fun lines and stuff in it so f- for all the shit that i'm talking about it it's like you know it's like when i was shit, it's like when i was shitting all over the other guys i'm like hey it's a fun movie now i'm gonna shit all over it for no right no like, yeah i mean like what the, the quotable <laughs> lines keep it interesting for me. I love it. Oh, yeah. So the script Burn, is like, fucking fantastic. Burn is I mean, so, yeah, the script is good. I will give you that. It's your mistake, not mine. I love that. <laughs> just do- Gabriel Burns' voice, I can listen to it for hours. I just love watching oh, yeah. him on film. Miller's Crossing, yeah. everything. Anything he oh, does, I love, I love watching Crossing. it. Yeah, I'd I mean, like to see more of him these days. If, the thing of it's it's such a weird movie because like I've seen it like like a hundred like realistically speaking probably like fifty times. Yeah, and I watched it today for the first time in a long time. But if you would have asked me yesterday to like tell you like what happens, I would be able to do that with like any other movie I've seen fifty times. But I I 
I, I really don't know how I would explain it. You know, it's it's a very fucking convoluted plot. And, yeah. you know, it, it homages films from the like 40s, more especially like Key Largo and Out of the Past. But it's it's pretty fucking convoluted, but it's still fun to watch because it's shot so well and acted so well. You know what I mean? Yeah, the drawing. It, who gives a shit about, oh, this drawing's coming together. He's going to get busted in the end. Who gives a fuck? But the movie co- moves along <laughs> at such a great clip. Oh, God, yeah. The pacing is so good. Like, there's a little bit of a dip around the middle, but, like, every time I watch it, I'm, o- I'm always like, oh, right. fuck, we're at the boat scene already? We're at Act 3? Like, it's it's shit. Like, it's already almost over. Um, and, I'm, and I'm still enjoying it. I'm like, and I'm already starting to regret that it's ending as I'm watching it. So, and I, you know, that's how I felt back in the day. And that's how I felt when I watched it a couple days ago, yeah. too. So, yeah. I, um, I do still really like, uh, There's there's still a lot to like here. Oh, there God, is. yeah, you got you got to have give so much credit to John Ottman. I can't name yeah. another person that fucking composes and edits a movie. It's so weird. You know, Bob Rodriguez does it and, and Clint Eastwood uh, does it. Well, he scores his own movies, but he he's the star of the show because the editing and the score are probably two of my favorite parts in, in the film. Uh, agreed. But did you just say that Clint Eastwood scores his own movies? Yeah, he scores did. his own movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't even know that. John Carpenter scores a lot of his. We talked yeah, about there it. You go. Yeah, we know, I know that. Uh, I, didn't know that. I didn't know. Yeah. Eastwood. Wow. Eastwood is a douchebag, but he's got a lot of credibility. But that's yeah, not what this show's about. We want to hear from you, by the way. Email the show. Did you oh, watch yeah. Eastwood Suspects? Did you not give a fuck about this movie? Like, who cares about the Eastwood <laughs> Suspects? Please email us. Cinema9pod at protonmail.com. That's the numerical nine, of course. Or you could DM us on Instagram and be like, hey, I'm watching it right now. I pulled out my old VHS box copy of Usual Suspects to really put myself back in 1996. Like it's out on home video. And I just rented it at Blockbuster on a Friday night. And I'm feeling it. So send us a picture of that. Send us a picture of a Blockbuster. I think there's one left in Alaska or Oregon somewhere. And if Oregon. you've been there, I think we should do that. You know, that's a great idea, guys. We should we should do an on-location pod from the last remaining blockbuster. That would be fun. You think somebody will fund that for us? Yes. You could probably find a family video in Michigan. They're still rocking and rolling. There's definitely family videos. I've driven. You go to the west side or, like, out in the rural areas, those places are still leaned on heavily. Hell, that place in Whitmore Lake might still be open, that video store over there. You know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about with the bowling alley? I used to be doing Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, so Usual Suspects is a film that has problems, but it's got a great cast, like we said. Yeah. Gabriel Byrne, Kevin Spacey, even though Kevin Spacey's a scumbag, he gives a great performance. I don't know if he deserved an Academy Award. New York's finest taxi service was not your normal taxi service. It was a ring of corrupt cops in the NYPD that ran a high-profit racket driving smugglers and drug dealers all over the city. For a few hundred dollars a mile, you got your own blue and white and a police escort. They even had their own business cards. After a while, somebody started asking questions and the taxi service shut down. Ever since then, internal affairs have been waiting to catch them in the act. And that's where we came in. So, how was the flight? Fucking great. Will this get me to Staten Island? You kidding me? This will get you to Cape Cod. McManus came to us with the job. Fenster got the vans. Hockney supplied the hardware. I came through with how to do it so no one got killed. But Keaton? Keaton put on the finishing touch. A little fuck you from the five of us to the NYPD. But this was wasn't this, this was the same year as seven, right? Didn't this come out? Yeah. Seven ninety five. I kind of feel like I've kind of feel like it was one of those things where it's like, hey, you sort of came out of nowhere because he he he'd been around like consenting adults and the ref and a couple other movies. Right. Um, swimming, but, insiders know swimming with sharks, right, Travis? Swimming with sharks the year before this was just I I, I really liked back in the day. I have not watched it in a long time, um, but. 
I feel like it was probably one of those things where it was like a, it was like a an award for both pictures in kind of a way, you uh, know. Okay. Uh, and Christopher McQuarrie got uh, best screen screenplay for this too, yeah. best original screenplay, which he's uh, got a stellar career. Yeah, not way of the gun, way of the gun. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I can't believe. Every time a good movie like that comes up that I love, I still get so pissed that I picked Margot at the wedding. I can't get over it. I can't let it go. <laughs> all the goddamn movies. We man. have multiple episodes that we'll record. It's, Jesus, it's fine. You're right. It's- <laughs> you're right. Yes. Chris McQuarrie. You got Stephen Baldwin giving his one good performance, like Travis said. Benicia Del Toro really coming onto the scene. He was in Swimming with Sharks, too. But this is his kind of breakthrough role, I would say. Kevin Pollack yeah. shocking us with his aggressive nature. Chaz Palminteri doing his Chaz Palminteri thing. Pete Postlewaite uh, doing his Mr. McManus thing, which is great. Love Pete Postlewaite. <laughs> Rest in power. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who has oh, now resurfaced yeah. in some really great roles as villains in the last 10 years. Yeah. With, uh, so young in this. Yeah, he is so really, young in yeah, this. Really now with the, uh, man. Smooth. the Mandalorian and uh, what's the goddamn show I never watched? Freaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. I saw one oh episode. I never God, watched it. God, show. you're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste your life is. I know. I've missed so many things <laughs> in my life, but it's got a killer cast. And of course, Dan Hedaya popped in like kind oh, of yeah. backing up yeah. Julian. Love seeing Dan Hedaya. Yeah. Dan Hedaya was in like every important film of the 90s. We could do a whole episode about that. <laughs> he was great, man. He he, he yeah. was in everything. I will never forget when I saw Alien Resurrection in theaters and it showed him with his shirt off and the whole audience shrieked at once. <laughs> and it was the only time during the whole movie they did that. <laughs> wow. I, I saw him last that. night. In a, I was wondering where he was. I saw him last night in a movie I'm going to talk about a little later. He All still right. got it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I've never seen that film. I don't watch Aliens movies, but I would. If Dan Hedaya is naked, I'm going to check that out this weekend. <laughs> top okay, up. So, got top so let's up go. Hedaya porn. Let's confront. You know, let's confront it, okay? So we, we just kind of hit it. At let's Spacey. be honest. Spacey and Singer. These are two guys whose reputations have totally fucked any project they have anything to do with. And it's yeah. a bummer. So I want to know, how do we look at this now? It's 2020. How do we well, look Mike, at these? How do we look at all of their projects? I mean, specifically the usual suspects. Mike, I thought you made a really good point at the start of the show that these were these are two guys, important guys to this movie. But there is literally hundred or more hundreds even of other people in filmmakers involved in the making of this movie who put in their blood, sweat and tears. And like, should this film just be deleted from our collective memory because these scumbags uh, were, were involved in it? Like, I mean... If, and if that's the case, we're gonna have to negate the entire Miramax uh, line of movies because of because of Weinstein. So I mean, bye bye Tarantino, you know, bye bye Kevin Smith. Right. So we we can't like so to to watch the movie like it's important to remember that Kev, that Kevin Spacey and uh, Brian Singer are not good people. That in fact, Gabriel Byrne alleges that production was shut down for a couple days during filming while they had to cover up some of Kevin Spacey's dalliances um, to, uh, dalliances. Like he's a fucking, I don't, forgive me for that word. Uh, predations. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, so there, there's, 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 you know, there's a reckoning that's taken place in society of late and that's a great thing. Um, and you know, that, but this movie still is a it's a still a fun movie and still worth watching. Mr. Brancher. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, it didn't take me too long to separate the artist from the uh, the, the you know, the, the work from the artist. Um, I got a lot of problems with these individuals personally, even due process aside and all of that stuff uh, in terms of my own opinions of them. But y- you can't fault 
uh, the excellent work that's being done here on a technical standpoint from both the actor and the filmmaker. I really tried to find Singer's first movie, Public Access, that got him all the acclaim from Sundance a couple years before this. I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, which yeah, had Ottman and Macquarie's involvement. That's exactly right. Yeah, really yeah, that team. So I, I, I still think I might, I might seek it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, in my opinion. Singer made probably only one excellent film after this. That was X2 X-Men United, in my opinion. And he, yeah, he never really was able to deliver something on this level, uh, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> Travis is making faces. That's going to explode. <laughs> X-Men 2? I mean, up. it's okay. It's all right. It's I just, love I, X2. Yeah. I, so I, yeah uh, I mean, I he i would say he did a better job with days of future past but that's just me you know what sucks is i love superman returns i was like the only guy like me and paul freeling were the only two people who liked superman yeah i remember remember that and now that i know it's brian singer's like baby he i mean he really nurtured that thing and now i feel bad about it but damn it i still like the movie so i don't know what to do can i hate someone and like the film at the same time I really want to know what you people think. You should write into the show because we want to get more feedback on this. We're not the only people in the room here. We're all listening to the show together as a community. Yeah. So we would love, love to get alternate takes, different comments. We welcome. We don't censor. We want to get all viewpoints. Unless you're like a racist or a homophobe, then please go away. You probably don't come back. Yeah, this is something we all like all of everybody in society kind of has to deal with right now. And like how to reconcile this kind of information, how we feel about these artists versus the art itself. And right. um, Tom Cruise, yeah, and I think John Travolta even right now, you know, I think Scientology, it's a real mess. And, you know, it's funny, like what for me, I, I don't know what it is, but like when I find out like that some musician has not lived up to some standard, like when Ryan Adams kind of had that trouble recently oh, I'm like, yeah. it's really easy really easy to just stop listening to ryan adams mm-hmm. but when an, an actor does it it's harder i think maybe because there's so much it's so much more collaborative you know there is so many other filmmakers involved and actors and stuff in these piece that they do yeah um yeah I, don't know. I think hundreds. a lot of it is i think a lot of it is they it's it's almost like they form like an a, a subconscious trust with you as a viewer you know because they're bringing you material that's really playing with your emotions and sometimes they almost seem like friends. So in a lot of respects, that should be the ultimate betrayal. Mm. And yet here I am watching this movie and only thinking to myself a couple of times, what a sick fucking monster this guy is. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, what a buzzkill. Thanks a lot, Spacey and Singer, you fucks. You're not going to ruin this movie with me. Gabriel Burns, great. Stephen Baldwin yeah. showed something. I love Benicio Del Toro. I, if, if it ever comes out, A revelation. Me, yeah, if it ever comes <laughs> out that like Benicio Del Toro was a bad guy, it's going to crush me. I don't know oh. if they'll be able to come back from that. I love Eric, you're, you're good Toro. friends with, with Benicio. Yeah, Eric, spent, you're a good I friend. Several hours with him. We can talk about that another time. Really <laughs> cool guy. We yeah, talked Tom Waits, Scary Oldman. Tell us. I was, a, I was in a, I was in a film with Benicio Del Toro. I remember in, uh, this. 2012. They filmed it in Monroe, Michigan. And they picked me out of like like 100 people. They're like, that guy, get him over here. Sit him right there. So I was sitting next to him, like not doing anything, but. But we were talking between shots, and he's a really fucking down-to-earth dude. We're talking about old horror movies. We're talking Tom Waits, and it's a really awesome. fun experience. He's really nice. Called me by my name multiple times, made sure and I had my prop and everything. Were you really nervous? the movie is? Uh, it's called Jimmy P. It's not very good. Matthew okay. Almarack and really good foreign director, but I, I'm in it. I'm in it. Were you like, was your heart racing when you were sitting next to this guy? I mean, you're like, dude, I mean, it almost pretty- exploded. <laughs> but I had to, I just had to keep telling myself, don't do anything stupid. Don't ask for anything. Just be a professional. Oh, I'm sure you were paranoid as fuck. I know you. And I'm just thinking like how anxious ridden you would have been, but you're like, I'm not screwing this up. Say nothing. Be a good boy. 
But that's cool. So he's, I think that he's always really been able to differentiate himself by just being a really ballsy actor. I mean, like here he is, like take this, take this role right here. Like I, I'm pretty sure that he got it because of Kevin Spacey. Um, Cause Kevin Spacey worked with him on swimming with sharks. Kevin yeah. Spacey wrangled Gabriel Byrne for this movie. I'm pretty sure that cause Kevin Spacey saw public access that first, yeah. uh, that first singer movie and was really excited about it. And like, so I'm pretty sure that he had a lot to do with drumming up the, the cast. Um, this is according to Wikipedia anyways. I can't say that I'm a professional expert on Kevin Spacey. Um, so so he um, lost my thread. Eric's face, I, this face you're making, Eric, yeah, I, whatever, whatever. I'm losing, you. I'm losing you a little bit. What? Oh, you can't hear me? Mike? I, I can definitely hear you. Is he good? Yeah, oh, he's I'm good. Sorry, it's me. My bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Like that face. Like I thought. I'm like, what the fuck am I saying? That's making you make this face. Everything's good. Um, <laughs> Keep the party going. My bad. Okay. I lost my thread completely. I don't know what I was saying. Aww. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Do you remember something about society and like it's fucked up? You know, this is a uh, movie where there's a lot. Oh, of- no, no, no. I, it's oh, come back oh, to me. Oh, okay. here he comes. It was um, it was it was his his approach to Fenster. I mean, like this is this is a guy that he's nobody. But uh, Benicio del Toro is basically nobody, and and like all, and like everybody else in the movie is, is sort of somebody, if if not on their way to being somebody. At least in the, in the five character actors, and then, except for Benicio del Toro is probably the least one, the least known of the, of the few. And he gets this this character, and and he tells Singer like it doesn't matter what the fuck I say. Apparently, I can just say whatever. <laughs> I can. It doesn't matter if I mispronounce the shit out of all of this and have marbles in my mouth and and he made and so he he made the call to have the character be incomprehensible and made him so utterly remember memorable and likable um so that kind of stuff is just just very ballsy oh man you know this movie is serious it's funny there's a lot of goofy things you know the whole lineup scene it's it's become pretty legendary you know give me the keys and they shot it like all day i guess and he decided to use (laughs) the bozo sequences after like a day of a lot of filming and then they said hey let's just yeah. use these goofy wisecrackings fucking around scenes where you know benicia's like what the fuck? you know it's great it's hilarious <laughs> and i still laugh i like to say give me the keys you cocksucker on occasion on any random day of the year it's an iconic scene iconic it is and that I'll- first uh, yeah that, that first half hour just it flows so well and that's a huge credit to the script and the editing that uh you know that's where it really I can't pause it. I can't do anything, but I'm glued to the screen. Once once they get to the boat, I'm kind of, you know, you know, I'm checking my watch. But yeah, yeah I completely agree. Fucking awesome. I agree. Yeah. When they get to the boat, I'm like, all right, these guys are giving up. And, you know, I kind of lost the heart of the story here. It's like, eh. And then when I see the twist ending, I just don't give a shit. Maybe I did when I first saw it. I was like, whoa. And, you know, scary movie. Like there, there's been so many ripoffs of the verbal Kent Kaiser Soze walking out of the police station losing the limp and walking out of there like a badass scary movie totally ripped it off for theirs so there's other comedy skits so this movie deserves the praise the praise it gets it also deserves to be criticized like travis's points eric's yeah. points i completely agree with you guys on a lot of these aspects i think in the end you start to look at it i'm kind of i'm torn i don't know if it holds up or not I mean, all right. So my thinking again, part of it is part of it is like I don't know about you guys, but there's something different that happens when I'm watching a movie with a pad and paper and uh, and a pen. Like I'm I'm just I'm just a lot more critical <laughs> than I would otherwise be. And I notice things that maybe I wouldn't notice. Like for instance, I don't know if you guys notice this, but like for some reason, inexplicably, during the um, the the parking garage heist where they're where they're killing the guy with the, with the diamonds with the, with the with yeah. emeralds, um, why? 
is McManus. Why is Stephen Baldwin wearing like a Confederate soldier's hat? <laughs> I never noticed that. Either. What the fuck? Why? Yeah. Um, and, Baldwin. And and then like at the end of the movie, like 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 Dean Keaton, you know, our our, our Gabriel Byrne. He's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. This is a suicide mission. I'm gonna, I gotta do this though, because I gotta try and save Evie and on all this stuff, and I'm, it's gonna be important. And verbal, can't you stay here? And now I gotta tie this handkerchief around my neck real quick. I gotta tie this kerchief <laughs> around my neck and go kill these guys. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Dean? Why are you wearing a kerchief? Are you, are you, just the Scooby Show? What's happening? Yeah, Dean Keaton was a piece of Robert. shit. Well, you know, one of my favorite parts used to be when Dean's like, there's no fucking Coke. <laughs> then when I watched it, you know, pen and paper, like you say, I'm like, you searched like a hundred foot yacht with many rooms and, and made this deduction in what, like 15 minutes? <laughs> like you couldn't find a hidden trap door that would be there if you're smug. I don't know much that much about smuggling cocaine, but it probably could have been in there if you would have kept looking. I mean. Right. So again, like our, our criticisms, like maybe we wouldn't have them. Like another one I had was like, you got to say the strangest thing. You couldn't say Verbal's Cose or Soze. You couldn't, you couldn't <laughs> the back. You got one sentence in you. <laughs> yeah. The biggest question I had when I watched the movie this time where it like was earlier on where I just kind of threw my hands in the air and went, what the fuck? I'm like, why does why does he kill his own family? Like, what the <laughs> fuck does that serve? Like, what, like there was no like that's supposed to be like this badass moment. Like, oh, he's so scary. What a bad like. No, dude, that's that doesn't even make a drop of sense. Yeah, this doesn't even make any sense. Oh, I completely agree. You're right about that. Total trash. In the end, so in the end, guys. So I mean, what are we gonna do here? What? <sighs> how are we feeling? I feel torn. I really don't have like a clear cut response. But usually, okay. I do. Here's how I would put it. If you've never seen it, absolutely watch it, okay? it's It's got a fun story, great acting. It's one of the most beautifully shot films of the 90s by Newton Thomas uh, Siegel, who also did Trigger Effect, which is a fucking awesome movie in the 90s nobody saw, and uh, Draw and Drive, and, of course, all the X-Men movies. So if you've never seen it, absolutely watch it. But if you've got it in the back of your DVD closet covered in dust, it's it might not be worth dusting off and putting in <laughs> I, i'm gonna have to disagree uh I, I was i was glad to uh you know I mean, again like i i wouldn't do like mike and watch it every two or three years i don't think that it's necessarily worth that kind of regular rotation um but if it's been 20 years or so since you've given it a watch it's on netflix it, you know it 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 holds up all right and it's, it's 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 still fun it's got so many fun performances in it we didn't even get to like Peter Green showing up as Redfoot. Um, we didn't get. I mean, there's there's so there's so many little character actors that just pop in there for like brief moments that also that also are fun. So the whole cast is is worth checking out for for that alone. So I I'm gonna say that it does hold up. Is it, it it what was it eight point five eight point six eight point five. Wow. Yeah, I would put it more like a six point five, maybe something oh. like that. Um, I don't really like to, to rank movies, but um, you I mean, have to. I, 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 you were forced to. It's above average. It's good. It holds up. Uh, it's 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 iconic. It's not the greatest movie in the world. Mm. Mm. Think, Mike. Heat came out in '95, and that was a way better movie. Oh, fuck yeah! Of course. Ah, uh, yeah. Man, I don't know. I mean, it's okay. It's not terrible. <laughs> Decent. It's got potential. Maybe it'll get better right. as time goes on. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll get worse. Maybe it's past its prime. I. I don't know what to do here. I'm going to say that this movie 
does not hold up. I'm going to say that. Wow. I'm saying it does not hold up. That's my bottom line. It's not terrible, oh, but I don't think it holds up in 2020 for many reasons we discussed. Not just the singer Spacey shit, just the fact that the movie, it doesn't make sense. Like you guys said, there's so many things you start breaking it down. It's like, this is absurd. This is silly. <sighs> that score, man. The score it was alone great. makes it worth watching. The score. Oh, <laughs> there's a big difference between worth watching and does it hold up in my view. I will um, watch it again, but I don't think it holds up. But I do think it's watchable. This, if this category was, hey, is this movie watchable? Easily, of course. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Like I said, if you haven't seen it, absolutely see it. I mean, one thing it does do really well is it's it stands apart from other crime mystery movies, even in the mid '90s when you had all of those fucking two days yeah. in the valley. Uh, Richie, so yep, you know movie. what? Tarantino ripoffs. Yeah, it stands far apart from those in in its atmosphere and its storytelling. What's a better so movie, that, uh, this movie or Snatch? Oh, I don't fuck Snatch. I, fuck I haven't seen Snatch in a long time. Stupid nonsense. I like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels better anyway. Okay. Interesting. I'm just looking at in terms of a large cast and being a big budget type of high steep movie. Those two are similar. Five years apart. Okay. That's not a movie, man. Guy, uh, Guy Ritchie doesn't make movies. He makes fucking Nike commercials. Fucking oh, dumb. Wow. Well, wow. This is, I, I love Snatch, so I would have a strong... I would love to do that. Maybe I'll do that movie. Bring it on, dude. Yeah. I'll trash, that, heated. I'll trash that trash. I wow. bet you will trash that trash. Trash-ass trash. Trash-ass trash. Trash-trash-trash-trash. All right. Well, so did you guys come in with the verdict? We said it all. I guess you said it. Uh, is there anything I wanted to add? I don't think nope. so. I, I think I've said it all. You said a 6.5 oh, um, doesn't hold up then? Is that what that means? I, I say that, yeah, I'm saying I'm I'm sticking with it. I do feel like it holds up. I, does it hold up as good as it did when I first saw it? Does it hold up? Like, is it as good as it was to me in the year 2000 even? No, but uh, it still holds up as a good movie. In the year 2000. <laughs> Classic. All right. Well, shit. That was fun. Did you watch The Usual Suspects recently? Please send in your email, cinema9podprotonmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter. DM us on Instagram. Tell us about your life. Tell us who you are. What defines your personality? Give us the thoughts you've never told anyone. We will listen. Did you kill a man? Have yeah. you ever, have you ever done I, anything like that? It, murder like I hit a man in Dearborn, Michigan. Like kill a man. <laughs> and I, just, I don't know if he's dead or alive. I just drove off. Also, again, thanks to Ange also for that. <laughs> and uh, bear in mind that we'll, we will do this again. If there's movies that you want to see us or hear us uh, grapple with, let us know. Pure luck, Set Angela. It. You lucked out, but good choice. Interesting movie. Had a lot to offer. A lot of good discussion. All the thing that you can really ask for is a movie that gives you a lot to, to talk about. And that's what this film does. So, uh, no emails this week, I don't believe. Uh no, no. Shout outs no, to everybody. Who, one. Yeah, everybody who commented on our Instagram post for the listener's choice. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the participants on uh, Eric's giveaway. Lovely. That leads us to it's time for quarantine viewing pick recommendation. All right. Here we go. Always, always interesting. I can't wait to see. I'm, I assume Eric probably watched a lot of movies up in the great white northern area of Michigan. I'll look forward to hearing that. But Travis, as always, Get us started. Well, you know, every week it, it, there's like this quest where I'm like, I gotta, I gotta see how many like movies I can fit in and how <laughs> many are actually good, like <laughs> that I can that, that I can actually talk about. Um, so, okay, so I watched a couple of recent streamer big hits: uh, Palm Springs on Hulu and The Old Guard on Netflix. Oh, both of which are worth checking out. Um, they're not. Uh, 
doing that what's uh, you know eric what you got something to no, no, I heard I I kept hearing negative things about the old guard, so I'm I'm going to check it out based on your recommendation. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a little mediocre, um, but it's entertaining. I, like when it finished, I'm like I could I could watch a sequel for this movie and be perfectly happy with that. Um, so like as far as just a a a, a, a good action movie, just you know it's not fantastic, but it's it's worth it's worth watching. Um, I also watched. Let me see here. Um, all right. So I didn't, I did not watch see no evil here, no evil, but I grew up on see no evil here, no <laughs> evil with uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor and uh, directed by Arthur Hiller, who I'll talk about here in a moment, but I'm, I, I'd never seen the follow-up another you in 19 mm. that came out in 1991. I'd, I'd seen, uh, you know, stir crazy, of course, with, with, with Pryor and Wilder. And I have seen silver streak many times. I've seen see no evil here, no evil a million times, but I was just like purposely holding off on another you because I didn't want the ride to be over. You know, I just didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to see it. I wanted to wait. Um, and, but eventually the time came, I watched it on Showtime cause it's there right now. And I laughed. I mean, the, it's preposterous. It's stupid. <laughs> it's the least good of their movies probably, but it's still fucking Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder in a comedy together. And it's funny. It's, I laughed throughout. Um, and, um, and like I said, Arthur Hiller directed See No Evil, Hear No Evil. We had Luke on last week who often recommends Arthur Hiller movies to me. Um, mm. And since he did not recommend the following movie to me, but um, but I can kind of thank Luke for sending me down the path to, to find it. Uh, Arthur Hiller directed a movie in 1984 called The Lucky Guy. Or I'm sorry, The Lonely Guy, um, starring Steve Martin and Charles Grodin. And uh, it's on, I think, HBO right now. I had never heard of this movie. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Neil Simon, he put his uh, stamp on it as well. Uh, it is so funny. I laughed. You know, you know, I laughed through the whole thing. Like, mo- like, like, like Palm Springs is funny, but like most comedies around the third act, it started to slump. It's not really that funny anymore. This movie, I laughed from beginning to end. It's silly. Wow. It's kind. Of, it's almost like a parody movie, but not. There's some. It's a. It's a dark comedy. There's some like. There's some jokes about suicide in there, so like be prepared for that. But oh. it's a very. It's very. Um, it's a black comedy and it's, but it's just, it was fucking hilarious. And it's, um, so I strongly recommend that. Um, lastly, uh, I had kind of forgot that YouTube exists. I don't think of it as a place to watch movies because I wow. hate YouTube. I'm not a flat earther. I don't have the attention span of a gnat. So I don't really tend to go to YouTube. No offense to those that are big. That's YouTubers. all I do is watch YouTube. So I, yeah, I never, I, I, I kind of hate earther. it. Um, you are. I've, I've, I've passed my judgment. Hot ones, too. <laughs> um, no, but I, I just forget that you can watch movies there. And so I watched Fright Night uh, Part 2 on there, which I, I posted about on the Instagram. So I'm not going to go into that. But I'd yeah. looked for that for a while. I was excited to find that on there. Uh, but today I watched a movie from 1998 that I was really excited to, that was on uh, on YouTube. It's called Monument Ave, uh, Monument Avenue or Monument Ave. came out in 1998, directed by Ted Demi. It's also known as Snitch. Um, it stars Dennis Leary, Ian Hart, yeah. Martin Sheen, Famke Jansen. We got Gene Triplehorn popping mm. in there. We have Greg Dooley of the Afghan Wigs. Oh, there it is. Which, no shit. No to know shit. me is to know that I love Greg Dooley. <laughs> and uh, Greg Dooley was best friends with Ted wow. Demi. Oh, and yeah. uh, he, he co-starred in this movie. And it is, uh, I mean, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a 90s movie about Boston um, criminals, like these morons basically yeah. so there's Dennis a Leary lot of racism the afghan wigs and greg dooley yeah 
Yeah, he does. So there's a lot of racism and homophobia in here. Like, be prepared if you watch this movie that it's just like it's thick with it. Nope. Uh, the comments from Delete these people it. cancel it. Um, <laughs> but it, but it's a, it's a movie set in the '90s about about Bostonian criminals. So what are you gonna do? I love and, beautiful girls. Is so if that is follow up. It, I don't I don't even remember hearing about it. Yeah, it it kind of dipped through the cracks. It didn't really um it didn't really make a big splash when it came out. But the cast is a, is huge, and it's 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 a slower paced kind of slice of life criminal movie yeah. about about the role of like Omerta in the Irish mob, basically like uh, or not Omerta, but um, just not <laughs> not well, not uh, just not talking. No one's no one speaks. You don't tell the cops anything. Don't that kind speak. of stuff. So it's, that's basically what it's about. Um, so those are the movies I watched that uh, stood out to me most. Wow, beautiful girls, Natalie Portman, weird ass shit going on with Timothy Hutton, weird. Yeah. Okay. Did you watch that? Well, he mentioned Beautiful Girls. Oh, because okay. that was the previous one. Uh, he's frozen in time. Oh, well, uh, I'll just cover. Let's vamp for Eric until he Wasn't comes the, back to us. He's the same director, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what we're saying. Ted Demi did Beautiful um, Girls. Yeah, the nephew of uh, of Jonathan Demi, who he did Beautiful Girls, but then he went on and he did um, um, Monument Avenue, which is very much about. Uh, it's very much a cocaine-addled movie. He did blow, cocaine, uh, cocaine a lot, yeah, and then he did that that documentary, a uh, uh, decade of under the influence. Um, Talking heads, and then he and then he died of a cocaine overdose. I mean, um, basically. I so mean, you really sure think cocaine was a big deal in his life? I, I'm going to predict that cocaine had something to do with the loss of that with of that guy, which is a real shame because I think he had a lot of great work left in him. But uh, beautiful girls is what about, weird. It's a weird movie. Yeah, it's like really there's nothing going on, but like it's interesting. That's kind of his style. I mean, like he 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 kind of did hangout movies. Like he kind of yeah. did like just following that like a, a group of people in their life. Well, since Eric's frozen, you want to go ahead and do your quarantine. And picks, these, Mike? these girls are way too beautiful. It's called beautiful girls. They're way too beautiful for like this typical slice of life. I just want to get that on the record. <laughs> but it is Hollywood and their movies. Okay, so I am going to talk about what I've been watching. Uh, I am concerned about Eric. I hope he's okay. I'm. We can edit all this yeah, out. Pop back or he won't. I'm really yeah. sad. You think he's gone forever? No, I think he'll come back. I think he just zeroed <laughs> out and come forever. Back. All right. Um, so, uh, what did I been watching? I do watch a lot of YouTube. In fact, every night when I go to bed, I put on YouTube. That's what I watch. And I don't watch movies on there ever. I just watch a lot of random stuff. I watch a lot of movie criticism and analysis stuff. I love. I mean, I watch a shitload of cinema sins on YouTube, and that's I've seen every single one of those things. I can't get enough of it. I love it, and I'm so pissed that I didn't come up with that idea. So I we can't do it because we would be really <laughs> good at it. It would be great, but hey, that's life. Good job, cinema sins. You guys deserve all the credit you get. It's really good stuff. And I also watch Cinema Wins, which talks about everything great about movies. So someone else came up with that. Makes sense. Um. What was when I did? Did you watch any actual movies? No, uh, I didn't watch any actual <laughs> films. I've watched, I've watched documentary films over the last week. That's the only movies I've watched. Uh, I love, good? love documentary films. I love. I watched, <laughs> I watched the Epstein thing on Netflix. Uh, yeah. I just f- find the shit is the shit is real and it's so fucking fascinating to me. I don't know why because it's real. Something did happen. Something bizarre. We're talking about people at like the ends of radicalism in life, like the most extreme type of life you could live. And this guy did live that. And all the parts included, all the justice system gets even more corrupt the further you get into it. 
and a lot of these women were totally just fucked over in Florida. It's insane. But they did eventually get justice, but they still didn't get the justice they deserved because he killed himself. So we didn't get to see him spend the rest of his life in prison. It's horrible. But uh, hmm. it's only four episodes, so it's not like a super, super duper long documentary. But I like that one. I liked it. It was interesting enough that it kept my attention. And then I finished Flint Town, which is a great documentary. I strongly recommend this one so, so much because it's about what's going on now. Even though it was filmed in 2016, it's spot on because it follows the Flint police all over. Mm -hmm. the unprecedented access inside their meetings with their chiefs and on patrol all night, every night, talking to citizens, looking at it from the economic angle, looking at it from city council's angle. It it just immerses you with this water crisis. And then it looks at the even bigger problem, the offshoot of it, because it's all connected in the end with the crime hmm. and the poverty and desperate people and lack of funds and a city left for dead. And here we are in the United States of America when we're supposed to be one of the most you know, wealthy countries in the world. And you got another city that is just left to fucking rot and nobody gives a fuck. And the only people that are trying to save it that do give a shit are the ones that are struggling the most to make that happen. And with hindsight now, it's been almost four years. It, they go through like the Trump election too. So they look at it from a local level and a macro level. And it's interesting now. It really is more, it's got a historical bent to it because we have four years of hindsight. So I really would love to recommend that, especially if you live in Michigan. You're like, wow, I know this town. I know these stories. I know these angles. And it, I, I just got even more engrossed in it because I'm born and raised here. So All right. Well, and I'm wow. sorry for disparaging YouTube because I feel like uh, is that on YouTube too? The Flint Town? No, that was that Netflix. Netflix. That's both the Netflix and the well. Epstein okay. thing were Netflix. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. But YouTube's got great, like you know, the Cinema Sins. I watch all the time. I watch the Joe Blow videos, which are about they got another great series that I didn't think of. Go, what the fuck happened to this? You know, so and so. What uh, what the fuck happened to Toby Maguire? Is great. You know, I love <laughs> that. I I could watch that stuff for hours because really, what happened to Toby Maguire? You know. He was on top of the world. Spider-Man series. I mean, maybe he just retired. I know he's an asshole poker player that was basically part of Molly's <laughs> game, which actually ended up being a movie. He's a movie star within a story. about. Oh, a he was part of that? Yeah. The, the Michael Cera <laughs> character funny. was totally yeah. about Tobey Maguire. No yeah. shit. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So, hey, wow. Eric. Hi. Eric, Hi. welcome back. Hi. Hi, guys. Good to see you. Yeah, ya. that... And Epstein doc was brutal. But uh, I'm going to have to take a look at Molly's game because, I, you know, Aaron Sorkin can't go wrong. Uh, yeah, I was actually talking about Flint Town, but I actually like Bonnie's game. Oh. That wasn't bad. So, oh, okay. yeah, I was talking about uh, I watch cinemas. I watch YouTube religiously and uh, cinema yeah. sends cinema wins. Joe Blow videos. What the fuck happened to so and so? I love all that shit. I can't get enough. I mean, I'm attention span. I think has a lot of depth to it as well. I want to put that on the record, <laughs> Travis. Just so that's clear. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. I was just making jokes. OK, Travis has discussed his wonderful offerings. I've discussed my Rest in peace, Ted Demi. Yeah, Ted Demi, cocaine-addled, yeah. tough break. What about you, Eric? What did you watch over the last week? What did you watch up there in the Upper Peninsula? I just watched a lot of Westerns up there that I've seen a million times. But uh, when I got back home, oh, the gods are smiling down on me. I was graced with two beautiful films I've never seen before, one that was trash. So... <laughs> you know, for the past 20 years now, people kept talking to me about this fucking movie, uh, Session 9. It's like a horror movie with David Caruso. It's one of the first yeah. like movies <clears throat> ever shot on like digital video. 
and it shows. It's like got the cinematic it's, it's quality rough. of like a Geico commercial. Uh, so, <laughs> so it sucks. And yeah. I, I, I've had to listen to this for so long. And I'm like, all right, I'll absolutely check it out. Insane Asylum. I like David Caruso. Let's see if I can get creeped out here. It's fucking terrible. What's everyone I, talking about? You never talked about it with me. I would have told you that movie sucks. It was like a bad Tales from the Crypt episode. No scares, no ambiance, nothing. Pointless. Trash. Um, so, yeah, that was a bad experience. But then, <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, I've got uh, I've got two real good ones. I know, Mike, you've seen this one before. Uh, it's on Netflix. I just saw it a couple of days ago. Mississippi Grind. Yeah! yeah. Dude, this movie, movie is so good. Anna Fleck yeah. and Ryan, what's his name? The combo directors? I love it. I loved their previous movie, Half Nelson. Yep. Then while I was watching this, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I, finally, uh, two great filmmakers ushered into the Pantheon. What we got coming out? They did Captain yeah, Marvel. Yeah, they went on to the Marvel world, yeah. yeah. A computer algorithm could have directed that, yep. man. I, but this was, all negativity aside, this was such a beautiful film. Fun, great buddy movie. And if you know me... I got a huge problem with Ryan. I've never cared for Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I don't know what it is. I don't care for the guy. He's different in this movie. Um, a little more upbeat and honest. He's, I, he was a little more palatable for me. I still probably would have preferred the original choice, Jake Gyllenhaal in this supporting role, but he was just okay for me. Ben Mendelsohn is on fucking fire, man. I've never seen yeah. uh, um, gambling portrayed quite in this way like a fuck like a, the disease that it is yeah. i've seen like addict gambling movies like owning mahoney and like you know rounders well, stuff like this reminds this is yeah. a whole new level this got me to see california split by robert altman in the 70s yes! and yes! i was so glad i got that recommendation from this movie because it's a lot like dude that. i followed it up with that and uh that was fun too yeah. but it, it a story like that deserved this cinematic uh this this more like you know movie type of type of deal I loved it, you guys. Yeah. It, it's so good. So if you haven't checked it out, watch it on Love Netflix. It. Um, okay. Last night I sat down on Tubi, which it, I don't know if you guys. I've told you this a million times on podcast. Yeah. This yeah. this has got so many hidden gems on it, and I don't hear nearly enough conversation. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I'll look into it. It's Tubi. like an app. It's free. Yeah, There's okay. commercials, free but movie. it's free. Oh, commercials. Oh, okay. Um, so I sat down and watched this film from I think two years ago. I wasn't blown away, but it was so beautiful. The humbling with Al Pacino and Greta Gerwig, Dan Hedaya, Diane Weist, never heard um, of it. Kira Sedgwick, Charles Grodin. It's <laughs> fucking so good. I haven't seen Al Pacino this good. I'm putting this on the record. I know about the Irishman. I haven't seen him this good since probably Donnie Brasco. And that's like 23 years. He should have had uh, awards dumped on his front lawn. He's so good in this. Is this aging actor with early onset dementia? It's told so lyrically and beautifully by director Barry Levinson, who also uh, he's been a little MIA. I love his HBO stuff with with Pacino, but this tr destroys both of those great biopics about Phil Spector and Jack Kevorkian. You have to watch it, Travis. I was thinking about you while I was watching. I'm like, this guy's gonna love this. I'll it's such it a beautiful story about. Uh, you know how we can come to the end of our lives and, and try to try to have that need to kind of re reclaim what we used to be and how we need other people to tell us that we still matter in the world. So beautifully acted by Pacino and I've, I've been, I'm Greta Gerwig fan since House of the Devil like 10 years ago. I was like, who the fuck is it? She's so beautiful. It's such a great actress. And she's really, really good in this standing toe to toe with that Titan. It's so good. The humbling. 
All right. Wow. All right. Those are fun recommendations. Passion. A lot of passion. And passion recommendations. Speaking of Ryan Reynolds, Mike, speaking of Ryan Reynolds, I, I yeah. do have to tell you, I, I, another movie I watched this past week was Just Friends, which I Yes! Oh, my God. Oh, funny. <laughs> Is that the one where he's got that I've seen it many times. On the cover? Yeah, it's so funny. You've never seen that movie? Eric, no, you never seen it? I don't like Ryan oh, Reynolds Eric. movie. It's a great Christmas Come movie. On. I put it in my Christmas Look, movie I list. I was slow to come around on Ryan Reynolds too. I don't know why. He's a delight. Yeah, you used to hate. You used to hate waiting. I remember I was pushing waiting back in 05, 06. You're like, fuck that guy. But I'm glad to see the it was Van Wilder. It, it yeah. was Van Wilder, Van Wilder really. Sucks. I think that, that, that it, it, it set like it really prejudiced me against him for like five or six years. Where I'm just like, no, fuck it, no. Not watching the movie about the guy that eats the bulldog come. Not watching any of his movies. <laughs> Yeah, well, Ryan Reynolds is uh, obviously he's had a long and stellar career. He's also Canadian. I like that. I like Canadian. We're rated E for everyone, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Toy. I never, I never understood having a podcast where you don't swear. Like, does anyone listen to podcasts with other people? I mean, aren't you always listening to, to it by yourself? Anyway, it's not like you're putting it on at work. Uh, no, this, well, there's a lot of people who have children, I guess, and they drive in car trying to listen to podcasts that they don't want swearing. Yeah, on. don't listen to ours. So that adults we're can have their moment. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll, yeah. We'll talk about inappropriate things like bulldogs and <clears throat> jizz, ejaculate, jizz, lobbing yeah, yeah. of jizz. We'll t- we'll do it. We'll fucking do it. I mean, we won't do that to you, but we'll it's talk a free about for all. it. So. Yeah, all right, Ryan Reynolds mania. Wow, waiting, best friends, Mississippi grind. So many great comedies, so many so great good. performances. He's really so fucking really good. rounded up. Can't wait till he comes into the MCU, man. He's gonna he's he's gonna uh, he's gonna change the MCU. Well, I'm good. Aren't we saying he's in it? We're not saying he's technically hey. with Deadpool or no. Oh, he's got, he's going to be in yeah. it. They're, they've well, like, already, they've already say, said that they're going to make. You're saying it he's R- not technically in it though, with those movies. Well, I'm. He, that's Sony, Mike. Right, but it's Come Marvel. On. It's part of the, it. Got X Men in it, and that's part of the MCU in a sense. Even though it's not no, it's technically not. the MCU. Um, yeah, that's what that's what we're Sony versus MCU. Either way, he is returning to the role of Green Lantern for uh, the, the Justice League <laughs> Snyder Cut. That's confirmed. <laughs> I mean, confirmed. Are you shitting me? No, that's no, a real not, thing. He's not going to leary. Shut up. That's a real thing. I Look got it a, up. I got free really? HBO Google Max uh, with my signing up of internet for my new place on Saturday, so I I'll get to watch the Snyder Cut for free. Hopefully, I can't wait. I'm so excited. How could we? How could we not watch the Snyder Cut at this fucking point? Right? <laughs> you have to. If you're going to be a right. film critic or analysis of any way, you got to check out the Snyder Cut, or else you're out. You're fucking out. Yeah. Same thing with Just Friends. Got to see that too. So funny. It's one of the funniest Christmas comedies. <laughs> Amy Smart, Anna Ferris, Ryan Reynolds, that oh, guy from uh, uh, the girl. Where did Amy door. Smart go, man? I love that guy. She the, was so the guy gorgeous. who plays his little Chris brother. Chris Klein? No, the guy who plays his little oh, brother right, right. who's in uh, The Girl Next Door. That guy's, girl Next Door. That guy's yeah. funny. I don't know what happened to that guy. I don't know his name. He's also an alpha dog. He had a fun run there from 04 to 06. Anyways, yeah. we're done. We're going to wrap up the show. Those are our quarantine viewing picks. Well, Please. What are we doing next week? Well, we're going to get to that. That's oh, part yeah. of my. We're done, but we still got to do that. Come on, man. I know what I'm doing. We're not. We're done, done talking about Anna Ferris. Yeah, oh, I could talk about her. All, all right. right. I, I want to talk about Amy Smart. Yeah, I want to talk about everybody. <laughs> but we're not going to do that to you guys. We're going to end the torturous madness. Please do email the show, Cinema Nine Pod. Tell us about a movie choice. Do you have a movie recommendation for us? We would love to do that. We would watch a movie that you recommended. Hell, we just did it for the listener's choice with Usual Suspects, so we'll do it again. Cinema Nine Pod at ProtonMail.com. Cinema Nine Pod Twitter. Cinema Nine Pod on Facebook. Cinema Nine Pod on Instagram. Okay, thank you very much. Now, it is the moment you've all waited for. We're back to the three-man rotation of movie selections. This week, it's Travis Roy's choice. The floor is yours, Travis. Tell us. What's it going to be? All Here right. we go. Well, I have a movie in mind, um, and, it, and it fits three important criteria for me. 
that I think make it a, a good candidate for this podcast. Number one, it does what I'd said earlier that it's a movie that when it came out, people saw it. It was an, it was a, it was considered an important movie or at least a, a noteworthy movie in its time. And, and a lot of people watched it. It got some Academy award nominations. So it got some attention. Uh, so that's important. Number two, it's got Nick Cage in it. And oh boy, we have not talked to Nick Cage much here. So, or, no. I mean, not as much as I would like. Yeah, that's, really, that's fine. <laughs> so it's time to bring him on. And uh, number three, yeah, we're going to talk about him some more. Uh, number three, it's got uh, Charlie yes. Kaufman's in the yes. well, The yes. movie I'm talking about is Adaptation yeah. from 2000. Life affirming Eric Branstrom masterpiece. Does it hold what? up, Michael? Eric, that was the thing you said. We'll never forget it. The dump, the life affirming movie. You just seen adaptation. Life affirming. Oh. Life affirming. You were telling everybody in the yeah, kitchen we'll, that night. We'll see if he still feels that way. But I, I have not seen it in a long time. And I I'm thought it was pumped. a pretty great movie back yep. in the day. So adaptation is the choice yes. that I made. Wow. 2002's adaptation. Academy Award winner Chris Cooper? Yes. Yeah. In this film, yeah. right? And uh, yeah, I'm right. Uh, yeah, Academy Award. Uh, Chris Cooper won Best Supporting Actor, and I believe yep. Charlie Coffin won Best ad- ad- Adaptation. I think. Okay. Well, shit. Should, we'll, What's that flower? We'll double check those orchids? 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 Orchids. Orchids. Yeah. Orchids. Yeah. yeah. Orchid the thief. Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean. Susan Orlean. Yeah. A real art. She's a real writer. She's Susan Orlean. I'm yeah. pumped. This is going to be a great opportunity to talk about Charlie Coffin, Nick Cage, Chris Cooper. Yep. I'm, I that was what I was thinking. All the Judy Greer. I'm, Judy Greer is everything. Judy Greer's been in every Judy movie Greer. since the year 2000. Good. What good. an agent she must have. And she's from Michigan. Local girl. Makes good. Yeah, she's from Livonia, buddy. Oh, she's from even Livonia. Even yep. better. Maybe I'll go to a visitor old house when I move in this weekend. <laughs> but not, a, on her not the stalking way. It's like as a tribute, you know. Okay, wow. Adaptation. 2002's adaptation. It's going to be a doozy, folks. If you want to follow along, you want to watch the episode. Or watch the movie and listen to the watch, episode. Watch the movie before the episode. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start right. posting our videos of our show, hopefully on YouTube, maybe in the next week or so. So if you want to watch us and not just listen to us, we're going to be posting that soon. So stay tuned. We got a lot of good things brewing here at the Cinema Night Podcast. It's going to be fun. I know you're going to love it. So watch Adaptation. Meet us next week. Thank you for listening. This is Cinema Nine Pod, ProtonMail.com, Cinema Nine Pod, Instagram. We're going to go, but we'll see you soon. Yes, and do visit uh, www.bulldogcom.org for more. Fuck your father in the shower and have a snack. (laughs) 